0: This
1: week on the Ten Eight Podcast A Taste of Reality with Brent Tucker. Everything that gets sold actually has a donation tied to it. I think sincerity and genuineness is the hardest thing to mimic or fake. With the defund the police movement, what I saw was it's too late. There's nothing to defund. I joined to make a difference because there's no way that I could go to special forces selection and fail and then come back and have to eat that humble pie. I didn't just show up to special forces selection and said, man, I'm a natural, I got this. I trained my apps off for it. It's easier to put it on a credit card now than save up and work for it. Time is finite. And where, where your time is, is where I can tell you your goals are. The views and opinions expressed on the Ten Eight Podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. The Ten Eight Podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the Ten Eight podcast today's episode is episode 329 and it's called a taste of reality with brent tucker brent tucker is currently the founder and owner of first responder coffee company it's based out of florida he is also a purple heart recipient with 13 combat deployments to afghanistan iraq syria and more He served as a member of the Delta Force, as well as being a green beret. Now he is the owner of the fantastic coffee company that sends money with every bag sold to first responder based charities. He's an absolutely amazing human with amazing coffee and an amazing purpose. But before we go any further, let's go ahead and tell you about the sponsor for today's show. Folks, I want to tell you about Jiu Jitsu Five-O at Jiu Jitsu Five-O. They believe training is a lifestyle. Their goal is to provide everything a police officer needs to not only become proficient in their control and defense skills, but also achieve all the physical and mental health benefits Jiu-Jitsu has to offer. And that's why they came out with the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app. It's the ultimate training tool for all law enforcement. Members get on-demand access to a huge library of techniques for the streets, grappling-based workouts, yoga, and monthly nutrition plans. Through the app, you also have 24-7 access to Jason, the founder of Jujitsu jitsu 5.0, for personalized training assistance. Jason is a black belt into Jujitsu and an 11-year law enforcement veteran. So go check out the Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 app in the app store of your choosing, available on iPhone and Android. Now, before we get into Brent's interview, I want to talk to you briefly about purpose and impact. And basically, the overlying theme is figuring out your why. So, um, as was pretty public a few weeks ago, I had a bit of a meltdown about my presence on social media, this podcast and all this, uh, side hustle stuff, what it is, what it has been, what it will become. And one of the biggest questions that I had been asking myself is why am I doing this? Uh, whenever I see a consistent dip in any kind of the analytics and I I can obsess over and I've talked about that before, it gets me thinking negatively about all of it. And frankly, I don't know what causes it because I receive messages all the time about the impact that I do make and truly they mean the world to me. But then I get in my head about things and in my mind, in that moment, it's not enough and I go, all right, let's just pull the plug on all of it because so what, what happened? Let me, let me talk about my why and you'll, maybe you'll understand. So it's my goal with 10 to make sure that cops are content with life on-duty, off-duty, by providing ways to improve their mental, physical, and financial health. That's what the whole point of the podcast this year has been, and that's really what I want to morph everything into. And then we throw some humor in it too, because laughter is the best medicine aside from actual medicine. I want cops, and all first responders really, but focusing on cops because I understand that more, to go through life with purpose and joy. Where I get in my head is, where I think I have a lot of decent shit to pass on to you all. And then bogus algorithm blocks me from getting the word out. So that's why I've been consistently asking pestering, whatever about everyone listening to just share my content. It gets the word out there. It gets me exposed to more people and all the other algorithms like it because if they see that other people are doing it from a grassroots thing. They like that. Obviously they want me to spend money on advertising dollars, which I'm just not doing it. It's not in my, it's not in my best interest now I do understand that not everyone is a podcast person. I get it. Shit. Some days I'm not, you know, someone brought up about like, Hey, have you listened to this show recently? I was like, no, I haven't. I go through long spans of not listening to podcasts. So I get it. I do. Especially people that have listened to me since day one and and they've stopped for one reason or another. Um, I get it. I do, but it's still frustrating, right? Uh, there has to be a way to get the meaningful stuff that I want to say out to the masses, but, um, I don't know what it is yet, and I'm still working on it, but I just want to take a second and express gratitude to all of you who do support me on the daily, whether it's on the podcast, on the Instagram, any other way. If you have bought merch in the past or you continue to, um, I do appreciate you. I really, I really do. Luckily, with uh, the meme war raging on right now and also one of my memes going viral, I've actually been able to kind of get out of my little funk um, on the page and personally. And, you know, we'll kind of see where it goes from there. So it's been cool, and I've been getting more and more people to see what I'm working on. And, uh, again, I'm honored for that opportunity. So, speaking of purposes, Brent Tucker's purpose after serving his country was to come back home and help first responders. And he's doing it through caffeination, which, I mean, I I got caffeine tattooed to my skin. So I'm all about it. So um, I obviously support it. I bought some of the coffee from the company Uh, You're gonna like this episode. You're gonna like it. You're gonna like the coffee. You should go buy a bag right now So here we go. This is a taste of reality with brent tucker All right. So in the in the world of people who are on this podcast, this is one of my newest relationships. Uh, you and I have just started talking very recently, actually. So ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show, we have Brent Tucker. He is the HMFIC of First Responder Coffee Company. What's going on, man? How are you?
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it is not very long since we've been talking, like I said, but that's good um you know i feel like a lot of the people that i get on this show i've talked to for a while got like I kind of know their story, so you know I can kind of guide the conversation where where it needs to go. This one's kind of fresh, and I like that. I like that fresh thing. Um, so I'll really be able to truly pick your brain. This won't be like the third time I've heard the story or anything. <laughs> um, so a little little behind the scenes magic there. Sometimes I act like I don't know what I'm talking about. A lot of times I don't, but sometimes I, I actually do. Um, so let's we'll start from scratch here um go ahead and introduce yourself let us know who you are where you're from what you do and we'll kind of go from there
1: yeah absolutely like i said uh my name is brent tucker i am the owner of first responders coffee company um we're a florida-based company i'm originally from florida uh which that in itself seems to be a unique trait uh here of late joined the army 20 years of service we'll, we'll get into that uh retired and then um started training uh, SWAT teams around the country, and that's kind of how I got into the uh, first responder realm through training law enforcement. Um, and through that, through those relationships and seeing the need that you know, of just a lack of support, a lack of resources um, to some of our first responders, I uh, decided to do something about it. And uh, The concept First Responders Coffee Company was born, and, uh, and here we are selling coffee and giving back
2: that's awesome that's awesome so um let's talk about that real quick so obviously it's more than just a coffee company and i think that's what kind of separates you from the other uh vets and or cops that own coffee companies um a lot of them are just kind of self-serving like hey we're you know we are on the on the thimble line or we're on the thimble line or whatever you want to say but now we sell coffee and that's it end of story which is fine i've i've bought coffee from those companies you know good for them i'm happy to support a mom and pop business for sure but yours is a little different can you go ahead and explain a little bit more what that is
1: absolutely um, although we we are you know s- structured as a for profit company um the the whole the whole basis of the company is is for charitable uh, reasons and and to give back, um, even from the you know concept of the company. I said we we're going to give twenty uh, percent of our retail profits uh, back, um, not just twenty percent of our of our profits. I haven't I haven't turned a profit yet. Yet we've mm-hmm. donated thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, so everything that gets sold actually has a donation tied to it. And that is that is a very different concept. That a lot, a lot of people say twenty percent is too much. You'll you'll go under as a as a new company uh, giving away so much. And uh, we, we've actually given twenty six percent to date. We've actually beaten our our twenty percent goal or commitment. And and five months later, we're still here and we're going to be here for a long time. So I think uh, that uh, as Crazy, this world is at times, and it absolutely is. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, People still reward companies with good intentions that give back, that are there for the right reasons. And uh, I think we're a testament to that.
2: I agree. And I think that, you know, for everything that is negative about social media and just society in general right now, um, one thing you can say about it is that you really, as a consumer, can see through bullshit now. You know, if if a company is truly one way or another, it's kind of hard to hide it anymore. And even with, you know, an operation like yourself, that's important. As a matter of fact, I'd much rather, like I said, buy from a company like yours where, you know, obviously your heart and soul is into a good cause, not just, you know, not a front. I think a lot of places say, hey, we, you know, we're, you know, pro vet or first responder pro or something like that. And then their actions speak completely differently. And no matter how many discounts you may get at the, at the countertop, you know, it's, it just, it's hard for me to support certain businesses that way. And I think that's a good thing with having a platform where you can kind of share not only your product, that's important, but also the mission and the why behind it.
1: Yeah. I think sincerity and genuineness, at the end of the day, is the, is the hardest thing uh, to mimic or fake. In fact, I think it, it. I don't. I don't think it can be mimicked and faked. Uh, and and if it can be, maybe it's only for a short time. But um, you know, pe- people will, will will see through it at, at some point. Um, and the other thing that's a, a little bit unique about us, uh, and I, to be honest, I, I love talking about you know, and people, you know bring it up all the time with my past, like, you know, why didn't you do something more, uh, you know, military focused? Um, you know, you're, you're in the Delta force and you were a green beret and you have 13 combat tours, but here you are, you know, you don't even have a military line of coffee. All your militaries for, you know, sheriff law enforcement, nurse, fire, whatever it is. Th- to be honest with you, when I retired, I had plenty of resources. I have, I, I had, and I still have plenty of resources. I, I just do. And since nine eleven, you know, you was know, you know, why I joined. You know, it was a very obviously first responder centric day for you know for, for obvious reasons there in New York City. And I thought law enforcement and, and fire department and EMS and first responders in general have gone a, above and beyond to support the military. I mean, that, I think that's I think that's a, a true statement. Mm-hmm. I don't um, know. Would you believe the inverse of that is true? do you think military has gone above and beyond or equally to turn back and support first responders?
2: I will say that I believe those in the military that support first responders are the ones that became first responders. I think the industry
1: yeah. as a whole, no. Now do, I mean, am I sitting here saying that, you know, I'm, I'm calling the the military anti first responder. No, that's not, that's, and that's not what I'm saying. Right. You know? Uh, I just, I, I just don't believe, you know, the um, this the overly support has has gone equally both ways. Um, And that's just, you know, especially with the the defund the police movement. And I'll gladly get into that. You know, what 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 I saw was it it's too late. There's there's no there's nothing to defund. It's been I don't know how long it's been defunded. But as long as I had trained SWAT teams and most people think SWAT teams have. Plenty of money, you know. They're the, you know, they're the the, the special operations mm-hmm. of of the police force, and it's just not true. Even they're broke. Um right. It's something that that has to change. To be honest with you, and I, I love how you know how, being that voice and that company to do it.
2: I, I think you're absolutely right. In in many ways, you know, I feel like maybe it's our our alpha built, if you want to call it that. But you know, the military, first responders, we operate. Like, we're two separate entities, that we're not the same. And in many ways, we are the same. We just do it in different arenas. And I think that's that's the difference. Obviously, what happens in the military is different and what happens to a firefighter, EMS, police department, or police officer, whatever. Yeah, that's different also. But we're all doing the same thing for the same common goal. And I think that's where... I, I like conversations like this where I can get someone from your background and kind of show that, you know, obviously we're, we're all in this together and we are different than the guy that is working at Starbucks and the guy that chooses just to work in an office somewhere. Those, you know, everyone has a purpose and a place in this world. I'm not saying they don't, but that's what makes us different. So I think before we go a little th- all the way into that path why don't you go ahead can you tell us a little bit about your military career and what got you to this point
1: yeah absolutely like i said i i signed up after uh, 9-11 um, i grew up in a in a small town uh, in florida i worked in a feed store a family business that my grandfather started and unlike everyone else in that small town who just wanted to get out of it i was more than happy sticking around that small town and living and dying in that small family business. I, I was content. I, I enjoyed it. I, I knew my path. and so you know it as fate would have it, the irony is I, I was one of the few who left it. <laughs> I didn't even want to. 9/11 happened. I raised my hand. Um, and what would end up being kind of a common theme for me throughout my career was of course everyone had you know had a decision to make that was my age on September 11th, 2001. You know, are you going to join? Um, and uh, just yeah, everyone had their reasons to or not to. And at the end of the day, mine was, yeah, I, I don't want to be a 70-year-old man and think, man, when my country needed it, I had an opportunity and I didn't go. So to do a life of no regrets, essentially, uh, I joined. Not even two years into it, you know, I, I realized that Air Defense Artillery was my first MOS. I joined to make a difference. I joined, you know, to be on the front lines. You know, I wanted to feel like what I did mattered. Now that I was in the military and figuring things out, some of my buddies had just got back from a, a deployment in Afghanistan, some of the, you know, the very first ones to go, and I was asking them hey, like, what's what's going on over there? Like, how was it? How was war? And they're like, we didn't do anything. We guarded a gate. Like, yeah, <laughs> don't ask us how war was. We you know, we for 6 months we just opened and closed the gate for people. And I was like, man, that's not what I signed up to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, well, well, who was doing, you know, who who was out there getting it? And there he was like, man, we'd have these Green Berets every now and again coming in at our gate. Their trucks would be covered in blood. And, you know, we'd be like, hey, ID, Sergeant. And they'd be like, screw you, kid, open the gate. And, you know, they'd just ram the gate. They'd tell, they'd, they'd tell <laughs> these like, you know. Crazy stories that I I doubt are true. Maybe yeah, maybe there's a, a, a small piece of truth to them. And I was like, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I signed up to be. And they're like, well, sorry for you, buddy. Like, no one from Air Defense goes to be a Green Beret. Mm-hmm. You gotta be a Ranger. You gotta go to the 82nd Airborne Division. Like, it's it's never happened from us. I fought them and I fought them. I said, no, let me go. Let me try out. Let me go. Let me try out. They kept on telling me no because we had a deployment coming up and they didn't want to let me go. And I made such a noise about it. They finally let me go, I think, just to shut me up. It's that's probably the best thing that could have happened because there's no way that I could go to Special Forces selection and fail and then come back and have to eat that humble pie after <laughs> making such a noise to go. So I go. Uh, I, uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be selected to be a Green Beret. I went through the training. I earned my Green Beret and... Uh, time frame and from there I just started, you know, the deployment train started, you know, Iraq Afghanistan, South America dive school, sniper school back to Afghanistan and uh, around 2009 uh, I realized uh, these wars are going away and I love nothing more than deploying and so uh, there's there's one unit that will always deploy whether there's a war or not and that's the Delta force. So I said that's well that's where I'm going to go next if uh, uh, and so I trained up for it um, and uh, I actually went to selection the first time didn't make it went back again the second time, the very next class they had available for me uh, and uh, I was again fortunate enough to be selected. Went through the operator training course, which saw another massive washout of people. Was uh, one of uh, a small handful of people standing at the end. And uh, not to fast forward the story too much, but 10 years later, more deployments than I can count. And, uh, yeah, and there's, there's her 20-year career. and mm-hmm. would have never, never, never imagined as a guy carrying out bags of feed as a 16-year-old. Was going to go off to be a uh, you know a Green Beret and a Delta Force operator. Um, But that's that's my military career, and uh, I I couldn't have had a better one.
2: Mm -hmm. And then, so what was that about? Twenty nineteen is when you retired. Twenty twenty one. Okay. Okay. So, so first off, I just something that caught me in your story was that that grit, that not giving up, that I'm going to do it, that I'm going to prove them wrong, that you know. I got this opportunity, I'm going to take it. I mean, that's got to be, I'm thinking business, but just in life in general, that's got to be such an important attitude mindset. But I really think that's almost built into your chemistry at that point. How has that mindset kind of continued throughout your life before the military, after the military? Like that's got to be an important thing.
1: To be honest with you, I, was a, I was a pretty timid kid growing up. I, I didn't get into a lot of fights you know I, I played sports and I was, I was, I was, I was good at sports um, but I was undersized so at the end of the day you know you' uh, being undersized is only is, is going to be a detriment to you so I didn't really get to be tested if you will before really before the military. you know I don't really it, it's hard to honestly put a, a finger on when that trait started. like I said it just wasn't something I was necessarily born with. But without a doubt, once I joined the military, no matter where I went, I never thought I was the best. I knew I wasn't the worst. <laughs> and I was, I was more than willing to, to prove to you that I'm a good soldier and uh, that I am cut above most. But I never had a weird, cocky, humble attitude. And, it's, and it is kind of funny. Depending on when you met me in my career, some people say, man, Brent was super humble, super nice guy. Another guy's like, man, Brent was a cocky a hole, mm-hmm. and both of those would be true, uh, unfortunately. But I think that, that that determination that that I got in special forces of selection that I was literally going to will myself, you know, across the finish line. But, but more than that, I do have that attitude. But growing up in a feed store was not was not an easy life. Like it, it is, it's hard work. It's early work. You know, it's, it's late work. All of my success, and I've even heard, "Half of you, man, Brent's so lucky." I've, I've heard that before, and it's and deep down, it's disgusting because they have no idea how much how much work and preparation I put into every single thing I did. I didn't just show up to the special forces selection and said, "Man, I you know, I'm a natural. I got this. I trained my ass off for it. I took it very seriously." So I did have a when that preparation met opportunity. We had a good, you know, a, a, there was a good outcome to that, and that was the reoccurring theme of my life. Mm. Uh, same thing with Delta Force selection. When my friends were out on a, on a Friday night partying, that was just the training schedule I had was 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 very rigid. I I worked out certain days. I went on runs on certain days. I went on ruck marches certain days. I was still working, so all this extra training happened at you know at night, Friday nights. Half the time was, was my was my long ruck night and I might put in 10, 15, 20 miles of rucking with a fifty pound bag, you know, rucksack on my back. Half the time that happened on a Friday night. All my friends are out there partying. I didn't and I didn't tell my friends that I was Hey, you guys, you wanna go out tonight? I wouldn't say, No, hey, I'm I can't I'm getting ready to go to the Delta Force. I can't go out tonight. I'd just say, No, I'm you know, I'm busy tonight, I got things I gotta do and uh there I was, you know hours into it in the middle of the night carrying a jug of water walking on 50 pounds on my back. I prepared like a madman for everything I went into and even with that mentality it wasn't good enough the first time I went to selection. Mm-hmm. And instead of you know getting knocked down and uh, defeated by it it just it it burned that fire even hotter and I got back and I trained even I didn't even I may have taken two or three weeks off, just to let my body recover. I probably should have taken more in hindsight, and I just went right back to training like, you know, like a man possessed for it. And that's that is what you have to do. No one's willing to to give up the party, and no one's willing to. It, it, I can go on and on about this. No one's willing to save some money for the nicer thing down the road. Everyone wants the the, the here and now. And, you know, we've just lost the patience and the honor of just grinding it out as a society and working hard, generally speaking.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're very much in an instant gratification culture. I talk absolutely. about it all the time. Um, and that can go for literally any aspect of society in in, yeah. in life. Um, you know, people don't want to meal prep. They'd much rather get the drive through They don't want to work out. They'd much rather not work out, you know, um, or... Buy you know a diet pill or whatever it might be,
1: right? Um, it's why it's why we have credit card debt through the roof because it's easier to put it on a credit card now than save up and work for it. But then you're gonna, you know, pay the twenty two percent interest, you know, price on that. But they don't care. They just want the here and now, and we'll figure it out later.
2: Right. It's like uh-huh. the uh, that spoiled brat in Willy Wonka when she's like, "I want it now! <laughs> I want it now!" You know what I mean? That's kind of that's right. kind of yeah. society now.
1: We have a massive amount of adults acting like that, and when it, you know, when it comes down, yeah, I'd say, and this world's pretty crazy." You know, when you get on my soapbox, that is one of the things we just have a lack of of responsibility, um, you know, and self discipline, and it, and it, and it shows, you know, th- throughout our culture. That's it's an issue. But to be honest with you, there's another part of me, you know, the the savage part of me, if you will, that says, "Great." Because there's a massive opportunity for men who are willing to work hard, get after it and, and, and go, because others won't. So mm. a-
2: Right. And, and you know you look at the people that are that way, that are driven, dedicated, disciplined, and if you look at it from either a quote, unquote, normal point of view or just those that want everything quick and easy, those people look out of their mind you know like you look at someone like a david goggins you know he runs and it's just like what is this guy doing and you know he his character itself you know that he portrays on internet and stuff is a little over the top but the idea behind him obviously is is one that's good and can take to heart it's like this is important this is and I say him because he's kind of the first one that always comes to my mind, but there's so many out there. And it's becoming more and more that those guys are the exception versus the rule. And I feel like we have transitioned from society where that was normal. It was super normal to have people, you know, guys out there that would wake up early, go for runs, go to the gym at 6 a.m., 5 a.m., and then go to work and then come home and blah, blah, blah we don't really have that anymore. If you see a, a guy, especially someone you know on the younger side, go to the gym super early in the morning, it's like, what's wrong with this guy? And, yeah. and then go to work. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't, I, society doesn't look at that favorably.
1: I, I, I was at a, uh, a friend of mine's house and his, his, his son's in high school and looked over and was like, uh, you were just talking about something. He was like, hey, what, what games do you have on your phone? I don't have any games on my phone. I don't, I don't, I don't have time for that. Time is finite, and where, where your time is is where I can tell you, you know, your uh, your your goals are. I, I just think we're in this, I almost hate it, I have to be on social media, and I have to look through social media almost every day to see what's, you know, it's, it's almost like collecting an intel packet in my old mm-hmm. life. There's so many things that, that do, you know, carry over from, uh, you know, from my old job, you know, to here that I, I believe is making us successful. You know, I, I have to see what what sounds are trending. I have to see the way people are, are making their content because obviously that's that's not my background. So I mm-hmm. have to you know, I, have, I have to learn it. But I understand why. I, you could sit there and just scroll for an hour, and it, and it can easily turn from hey, I'm doing this for work to I'm just mindlessly scrolling for an hour. And you have mm-hmm. to have the self control to say I've I've seen what I needed to see, and now I have other things to do. Mm-hmm. But you know, I see it at dinner all the time couples out on a date both scrolling through their social media not talking to each other it's just it's a it's a a weird time we live in
2: it it really is and and i've i was talking to a buddy of mine and kind of on the same idea i try i try very hard to go back to almost the olden days like my, my parents were born in the 40s so i try to think that old and i try to think like even diet you know you look at like people of that day there was no obesity epidemic back then so I look at like what did they eat you know what right. I mean and what did they do and my dad was a very physical man and you know things like that and what you said about social media really got me because to date at this very moment I'm taking a break I'm taking a much needed a break from social media because again like you said I kind of felt myself going further and further down that hole and not coming back up quick enough and yeah. you know Instagram is kind of my bread and butter right now. So for me to do it kind of, I kind of need to almost get lost in it to an extent and see where, you know, what's working for other, other mediums and things like that. But it, it, I realized that it was encompassing not only like my time, but also like my mental, like I was thinking about it and planning and blah, blah, blah. And again, kind of taking a step back. So I think as a, as a tool, as a business, um, as a business tool, social media can be great. If you, if you work it, it doesn't work you. And I think all too often, like you said, you go from like out there on a mission to suddenly getting sucked into the whole thing. And then you're just kind of mindlessly scrolling, not to say that entertainment and and downtime isn't a good, is an important thing to have as well. But I like what you said about where your time is, is where your priorities are that, I mean, that says a lot. And again, going back to the olden days, like we're not present when we're with people anymore. All too often, you know, like you said, the couples out there scrolling on their phone or you go out to dinner with someone that you've never seen in, in long time or, you know, an old friend, even a current friend, you know, everyone's quick to go to their phone and stay on their phone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what happened to communication with the people right in front of you? And you think about how society was built on that. Our country was built on literally people sitting in bars Talking ideas and getting you know things done, yeah. and we don't do that anymore. We go on we go on Discord and we go on Reddit and we just talk shit for hours on end, yeah. and that, that's enough.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's how uh, social media, generally speaking, uh, although uh, it's there's so many positives about it. There are you can go down the list of the positives and the information sharing and what it's done for you know for for businesses that that otherwise would not have happened. Those are all factual statements but unfortunately the larger truth of social media is it is giving a large voice to the part of our society with the least of with the least experience and the least information and now talk the loudest Mm -hmm. and it seems like that's the norm when it's absolutely not that that is such a great point it's absolutely not i i can walk up and down this street all day long and say how many genders are there 99 of 100 will say there's two genders get on social media and tell me what you think the odds of you know of if you feel the same way why is it different on social media than it is on in the real world because social media isn't the real world
2: right and you know it's where i get scared you know because zuckerberg's always trying to push the metaverse and all that shit and it's like (laughs) you know you look at that and you go no this is you know this like you said this is the real world and the other big thing is pro-law enforcement that's another big one like if you again if i go up and down my street here and i go hey how do you feel about the cops guaranteed now i live in in quite a diverse area but i guarantee you if i said hey what do you think about the police period not i think it'll be generally positive
1: absolutely but you, go on,
2: but you go on social media
1: right
2: and the loudest voice you know the ones that you're going to see the most right. is going to be the negative negative. and obviously you know those in power or those that kind of control everything are obviously pushing their own narratives and silencing yeah. the other one and that's what makes it so important to get off social media
1: yeah
2: and look around go down to the bar and you know talk to people
1: Right, find out what reality is. Yeah, uh, you know, here's a question I, I have on, on that on on that topic of of uh, you know most people believe that that cops are good. Um, so, why is it in the in the media, social media, you know, w- w- whatever you want to call it, that cops get such a bad name? And and everyone will agree that generally speaking, the very few cops, very few cops that make a bad decision. They're people. They're not perfect, uh, and and policing has a problem. You know, you know, there's a problem with our police force. You know, it, it, it they just go wild with it. Let me just take you for you know, you know make an argument here for a second. If and all I ever want is consistency. Consistency is very very important to me. You know, uh, the truth, real truth is always consistent. So if we take that same that same um lens and we put it on uh illegal immigrants what are the what are the percentage of illegal immigrants that kill americans i would say probably larger than the amount of cops that make a bad decision Mm -hmm. and again am i sitting here saying there's a bunch no i'm sure it's a very small number yet everyone on social media says hey you know immigrants are bad uh, and I'll never say immigrants are bad. Illegal immigrants is always the problem. Illegal immigrants aren't bad. It's only a few that are ruining it for the whole. Well, then why don't you have that same perception when it comes to law enforcement? Yeah. You know? Uh, you know, so I just, there's, there's no consistency in it. That's why it's, why it's not true.
2: Right. And just to kind of hammer that point across back a few years ago now, when the George Floyd thing was in its, it's in its heyday. Um, I had the same argument. I said, "What everyone is saying, they're, pawing, they're painting with a very broad brush about law enforcement, and they're saying that all cops are bad, right?" ACAB—that was a big thing. It was spray-painted everywhere. I was like, "That would be like me saying all interminority are bad.
1: Like, know. you know, that's a, that's know. just a subgroup." I know.
2: From, and and from I was from the like,
1: side from the side that hates it when you people paint someone with a broad brush. It sure is sure is in a hurry to do it.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I was just like, I, I, I remember when I was kind of trying to speak logic and obviously I came to terms with that. There's no such thing of that on the internet, but I tried to have a conversation with someone. I said, what's wrong with the all cop or I'm sorry, all lives matter. What's wrong with that? What is really wrong with that? And obviously they said, oh, that's racist. I'm like, I'm literally including everybody. How is that?
1: Right. It's the most <laughs> inclusive thing you could, it's it's the most non-racist thing you could do.
2: Right. And, you know, obviously there was no, like I said, there was no logic. There was no actual conversation there. It, it's just showing that, you know, common sense logic. And here, I, I just caught myself from saying something that I believe is wrong, actually. I was going to say that common sense and logic are not common. I think that's wrong. Again, I think it's more common than we think. I think that, it's shown more in the social media aspect of it for whatever reason. But again, you go and you speak to Joe Schmo on main street, he's probably going to have very similar ideas as you, as long as they, he himself has not been sucked into the uh, social media machine. Uh, you'll probably get a pretty decent conversation.
1: I, here's a, here's a a great point that I, I caught a little flack from, from, uh, from the, from my, my coworkers here. Uh, we put a. We came across a, a, a. I came across a police post on on social media. It was a great story. Uh, these cops doing their job, hopping fences, going after bad guys. Stolen car in Florida, not too far from here in the Tampa area. Uh, I'm out of. Uh, we're out of Orlando. They finally, you know, catch up to this uh, stolen car. The guy ditches it, um, and uh, they find there's a unconscious about to die a uh, black baby about to have a heat stroke mm-hmm. dying these white officers immediately go into everything they can do to save this baby other ones are running back to their cars hopping the same fences at lightning speed to get bottles of water to run back to save this baby now i wrote on the i i reposted that story and they did save that baby and I reposted that story. White cops save black baby. And I got some pushback from that. And they said, hey, that's really what, what does color have anything to do with that? I said, well, why do you say the same thing when you the headline reads white cops shoots black robber, white cops shoot black man that we are we're more than OK with that headline. But when it's a positive headline, you cannot include race. Mm-hmm. I don't, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I don't buy that. And everyone I said that to, because they're programmed to feel like that's wrong. When I said that to them, they're like, well, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if you, if you apply it to one, you should be able to apply it to both. But then again, that's reason and logic.
2: <laughs> right. Right. And unfortunately those that make the decisions in, you know, the grand scheme don't have that. And that's a problem. And you know, I was a cop for six and a half years in, in a very uh, urban environment, uh, majority African-American. And when a call came in, when a priority, you know, when the tone drops, we don't sit there and go, okay, but, you know, what's the, who's the shooter? What's the Or what's the victim? What's the victim look like? What's the shooter? We don't do that. Or when we stop a car, this is probably the biggest misunderstanding in law enforcement for me so many times. I would say nine times out of ten, but that's not a fair so many times when I stop a car, I have no idea what the person inside that car looks like. I have no idea. No right. idea. So when you get right. up there and they go, oh, you stopped me because I'm black. I'm like, no, I stopped you because your tag lights out. Like, I, I don't know who you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, right. And you know, I don't know what my statistics, statistics were, but I'm, I'm going to tell you that I know I stopped every race, every gender, which there are two. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was never prejudiced to me. I was doing business and... I just I there's so many misconceptions and I wish the public at large would understand this a little bit more and I think that goes back to what we were saying in the very beginning when you were talking about the defund movement it's like how are you going to take from an empty jar how are you going to do this like we are so right. disfunded yeah and then when you see about like these cops out here who are getting undertrained which they've always been undertrained but now they're getting worse under trained and now there's advanced situations of unnecessary violence with police. Well, yeah, because you took away all their good training, like the little good training they did have uh, that they were getting every like three months. Uh, you took right. that away because that was your defund movement.
1: And I'm um, I'm I'm here to tell you, society. I still go on write alongs uh, with and with our county sheriffs here. Uh, society, you know, has has changed mm-hmm. it's you know why are there why are there more um you know interactions you know violent interaction with the cops society has is has has provoked a lot of those cops haven't become more violent cops cops take with the situation that's given to them i've seen it time and time and time again let me tell you what i've never seen i've never seen a cop just get out of the car and be like well it's just time to whip someone's butt today Mm-hmm. They're they're just matching force with force, right? So you know to to say that you know that uh, to say anything different, it's just it's just you know uh, disingenuous. But a lot of it is, to be honest with you,
2: right? And you know, I even gotta choose my words carefully here. When you're a cop and all you're hearing is backlash from citizens, and and I agree completely. What what policing was like before George Floyd and what policing was like after George Floyd interacting with the general public not even protesters rioters nothing like that just a general call for service was so different like the the would-be criminal element not even like a bad criminal element just someone who has broken the law and has to go to jail became so emboldened and like they're allowed to you know yell fight run whatever became the norm. So if you're a cop and you're dealing with this on the daily basis and you're used to every single person you get involved with, obviously lying and all that to you, of course, but now add fighting and running and giving you a problem, you're going to be on edge. You're going to be ready to react quicker, you know, because you have to, that's that's safety at that point.
0: Right. So
2: if, if that's how a certain element is acting, you know, the, the adversarial aspect of policing, then that's how it's going to be treated. Whereas before that, when everything was like, hey, this is business and you got to go to jail and it's like, oh man, you caught me, cuff me <laughs> up. Right.
0: right. Then,
2: you know what I mean? Like it was t- totally different. And you know, the, the foot chases and uses of force that I had were always minimum, but then they just started getting exponentially worse as it went along. And it's like. Society made this. The police didn't make this.
1: Absolutely. Case in point, you know, that the um you know, the, the Black Lives Matter community is, you know, continuing to you know, you know, they'll of course stirring the pot has become a business for them. Just look mm-hmm. at the yeah. at the BLM mm-hmm. movement and check out the million dollar houses that they now live in courtesy mm-hmm. of of uh, of their charitable organizations. Mm-hmm. That should tell you a lot about where their priorities lie. Um, but and they'll, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, things aren't getting better. You know, we, we, we came out and we said, hey, um, you know, we voice our opinions and we're frustrated because things are not getting better. Well, let me, let me tell you from a war perspective, when we, when we misdiagnose the problem and then we ap- apply the answers from a misdiagnosed problem, you're not going to see the, the change that you want to see. So, and what I mean by that, so at the end of the day, it wasn't a police problem. It just wasn't a police mm-hmm. problem. we are asking police to be different and to be better, but it's not generally a police problem. Take every single incident and take resisting arrest out of that equation. Every single one. Just take res- resisting arrest out of the equation. Are there any negative outcomes that, mm-hmm. that come? And nope. you go down the list. No. Resisting arrest and lack of respect to uh, of authority is the number one problem underlying issue it'll never happen it's a pipe dream but can you imagine if if they came out and said hey stop resisting arrest we have to respect authority if they had actually done that and pushed the needle on that would there have been some change absolutely because that's the problem
0: Mm
2: -hmm. right I, i agree completely and unfortunately it takes law enforcement administrators With a backbone to say, you know, we're not going to change what we've done. We're not changing what we're doing. We're not going to go, you know, give coffee with cops and cookies with rookies and and hug a thug (laughs) and all this crap. We're not doing that, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's not the problem. It doesn't have to be. And. You know, I've had, I've had gang detectives on here who have flat out said, like, my idea of community policing is going to the corner store, talking with the drug dealer, figuring out what's up with his rival, blah, blah, blah. But now police administrators have taken community policing, bastardized it to the point where no one wants to be part of community policing. The true police don't want to be. And it's all because they focused on the wrong situation, what wasn't a problem. And furthermore also said this in a previous interview, like when you have these events, the ones that I, you know, named just then your problem is not showing up there. The, the criminal element, the people that dislike the police, the ones that are burning police cars are not showing up to coffee with a cop and saying, Hey, this is my problem. They're not. That's right.
1: Yeah, right. Right. So you, you're only, you, you're only influencing people that you already have, you know, that, an influence over. So, you know, so, so to speak, uh, it's, it, it again, and, it goes back to uh, it misdiagnosing a problem. It looks well. It briefs r- really well. It's a great CYA. It's a great slogan, but it, but it doesn't matter. It's not getting results, and, and, and that's what we need. And don't get me wrong. I'm you know I'll sit here and defend cops all day long if they are worthy of being defended. Mm-hmm. I'll also be the first one to tell you you know like nope that that wasn't a good one. Yep that one that was a bad one. And that's how I know they're, they're far and few between. They, they really are. I mean, let's, let's bring up George Floyd. We can, go, we can rewind the tape about five minutes and talk about just you know, resisting arrest. Yeah, yeah. But so what would solve everything. Um, the guy was already in a car when they, when they pulled him out. And then his big thing was, I don't want to get into a car. He said he was claustrophobic. And when well, you just got out of a car, it makes no sense for you mm-hmm. not to be able mm-hmm. to get into another car. Don't get me wrong, um, you know, kneeling on a guy's neck for that for that long just probably isn't. There's no probably about it. It just it, it just wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't needed, and the department immediately made a correction over it. The governor came out, and you know, I'll go give us up. The mayor came out and made a comment about it, saying that it was wrong. The governor did all the way up to the president. So everybody said that. That was unnecessary. So talk about reason and logic. So, of course, naturally, rioting happened. Why do you riot? You riot when there's a change that needs to happen. When injustice is happening and the government or the powers to be don't perceive it as an injustice and you're trying to make them understand that it was. Mm -hmm. Everybody agreed with you. Yeah. What what are we what are we writing for? Right. It just it makes no sense, and and no apply. Uh, we're just we're doing a. Everyone on both sides is doing a, a bad job of diagnosing the problem, and p- applying you know proper pressure in in the right areas, and that's why we're having these bad results. Right, and and just like.
2: I don't know. I'm thinking of the modern versions of it. What we're dealing with recently. And the issue in Memphis with the, you know, the group of guys, the group of cops that beat the the one guy to death. That that shut up really quick. You know, there's a co- been a couple others since then that you can see that the media tried to fabricate some kind of um general unrest and it just died real quick. And I'm kind of wondering what all that's about probably because it's not an election year, but um <laughs> But you know, it's you're absolutely right. It's misdiagnosing the problem,
1: and it, it, the Memphis it, one was a weird one to, to me. That one was really a weird one. Um, that seemed uh, I'm, I feel like we'll get to the bottom at at some point. That seemed personal, and I don't the, know any more to that one. Yeah, it the personal.
2: The, the ins that I've heard, I've had a couple people message me through the through the Instagram that. Uh, worked in Memphis and said it was personal that the guy, because the whole them saying stop resisting was complete bullshit. Like those right. guys saying it right. on camera was right. ridiculous. And and right. I don't even, nobody, no police officer or anyone involved in policing uh, was trying to defend those guys flat nope. out. I just, it, it was not possible. It, it wasn't even like, not even possible, not even fathomable. There's no nothing to defend there. You know what I mean? Right. Like staple them right. to the wall, we're right. done here.
1: Right. If you did, you'd, you'd lose all legitimacy if, if you tried. So,
2: Correct. It's, it's, and that's where I'm going. That would be worth rioting. If the cops, you you want to yeah. talk about the thin blue line, if the cops were like, no, 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 These guys did fine. Um, the subject was obviously resisting this whole time. Stand down. Hey, I'd be the first one to go grab an Antifa flag and umbrella and <laughs> like, let's go, you know. But yeah. that's not the case. And that's proven the point. But the police are not cro- crooked the th- if I can tell you from being a cop the thimble line is not what you think it is um it's just everything has just gotten so bastardized and really the whole us versus them narrative that the media portrayed and now you know too many cops are taking it as like the the gospel is like stop 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 we there's no us versus them we are them we you know this is the whole you know the, right. the, po- the police are supposed right. to be the people and the people are the police so exactly. Stop saying that you know it's us versus them, but it's so easy for the media to make adversaries because that's what sells the the um, advertising dollars, and that's I think where we get into this nonstop uh, circus that we've been dealing with for a few years now.
1: I'd, I'd have to look it up real quick uh, to ensure it's it's accurate, but a uh, but a law enforcement guy I was I was on the phone with uh, just last night. You know, cited a statistic that over 90 police officers have been shot in the line of duty already mm-hmm. this year. That's almost one a day. Mm-hmm. And at, at some point, at some point, if that's true, and I, again, I, I hate being that that guy's like, oh, the media's bad. You know, the bad media, bad media. This, but but there is a point. They're culpable for those type of actions
0: mm-hmm.
1: when, when you. When you continue to push that type of rhetoric, and I I believe you know cops are are uh, good cops are paying the price for it. Yeah, and and it's got to stop. It 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 has to stop. We cannot continue down this road. It's we can't continue down this road. We're shooting our own police officers, and not knowing if a man can have a baby or not. (laughs) We we can't we we can't we can't live like this.
2: Right? No, I I definitely I. I agree with you completely. And I I was looking it up while you were talking. Um, today, April 5th is day number 96 of the year. So I saw the same statistic you were talking about. I really think we're almost at a hundred police officers shot in the line of duty. Um, only 10 have died from gunfire, 25 total. So I know it's, you know, it's gotta be somewhere. And I know when this airs in a few weeks, it's going to be even further than that, unfortunately. So, um, it's a sad state of affairs, and hopefully someday soon things will get back to "quote unquote" normal. I just, right. I don't know um, how uh, that tide's going to change. Let's
1: let's let's go back to again. I, I say, you know, consistency is 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 very important when it comes to truth. Have you heard anyone talk about gun control laws when it comes to ninety cops being shot with guns? Nope not not one. Nope. It's interesting to me. Just it's just interesting to me that that gun control never comes up when uh when when it's on that side of the law being shot uh and again it just it 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 says a lot right about about their well and
2: and the same thing that i said during during the riots when it was okay black lives matter okay um where were you guys a week ago when we had a black-on-black crime in the hood and a little baby got shot and killed by a drive-by where where were you guys then his life didn't matter is that
1: what you're saying Those, those statistics truly are as, as an, as an American, I just, yeah, I'll, this is a whole nother topic that I'll I'll quickly Mm -hmm. uh, get on and off because we'll go down this rabbit trail Mm -hmm. At, at the end of the day. I'm an American. I'm a proud American. And I don't care if you're in the ghetto of Detroit or Chicago, they're, they're Americans and no little baby girl should have no shoes on their feet, should not know where their next meal is. Uh, You know, that type of violence just doesn't belong here. We're the the greatest country in the world. Mm -hmm. So I have a huge problem, and I'm not talking again, I won't get into this whole conversation. I don't necessarily have a problem with the Ukraine uh, foreign aid, but I have a huge problem with how we spend our money as a government. Hundreds of millions of dollars going to Palestine, half a billion dollars going to South America for for small business um, progression. I'm a small business. I, I'd, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to help from from my own taxes. How do we as a country not have a bigger problem with how much money goes everywhere else in the world when we have hungry kids in our in our you know in our own backyards? Mm-hmm. So uh, those those stories to me, they they do affect me. I don't care what color she is. You know the the fact that we have. Yeah, a massive amount of people shooting each other up in our own city, but nobody cares about that. Mm-hmm. That as an American, that, that disturbs me. Yeah. It and to, does.
2: you know, through, through Instagram, watching a couple of Instagrammers. And this is this guy that I follow. He's a comedy account. You know, he just, he jokes, he, you know, he watches other people's videos, comments on him. It's funny, but every once in a while, he'll drop a truth nugget. And he said that mm-hmm. he was born in like the, you know, slums of Mississippi had to eat, ate nothing, you know, went to sleep hungry. He was so thin when he was growing up that like he could touch his stomach and touch his back at the same time, whatever, like that's in our own country. That's not some third world country. That's our country. That's one of our 50 States. And that was normal to him, you know? And when I hear that it's a, it's alarming because one, I never thought of it that way until I started, you know, opening my eyes and two, nothing's being done about it. And when you said about being a small business and wanting assistance from the government, I guarantee you, you've probably spent more money to the government for being a small business than you'll ever receive on the back end.
1: Yeah. By the way, although I did say that, I'd love to clarify and tell you, I don't want any assistance from right, the government. Right, right. Uh, what I would really prefer is is the government not make it so... It's, it's, at the end of the day, we live in an information age where there's no reason to not be able to do something. But uh, if, if, if someone has not started... Um, It's not started a business, you would be absolutely baffled by the regulations, laws, paperwork, and all the holes you have to jump through. And I still am not sure if I've done it all correctly. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm afraid at some point a couple months are going to go down the road. They're going to come back and be like, hey, you know you didn't do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, No way for you to go through it all. So I don't want the government to help me out. In fact, I would love for there to be less government involvement in my small business because they are crushing it. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly my point. I mean, they do more to hinder the American dream than help it at this point. And, you know, even, even with my little rinky dink operation here, um, you know, we, we operate very similarly. I see all your merch behind you. I've got all my merch right here. Um, (laughs) you know, it's getting harder and harder, I'm sorry, harder and harder, um, to do it, you know? And, and the one thing I did want to say is that it's funny how we all kind of adopt these libertarian kind of ideas, smaller government, keep the government away from me. It's always, and this is not a political podcast, but it's always when a Democrats in office, we're all like, Whoa, 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 (laughs) less government, the better. And, um, it's, it's just, I noticed that immediately upon certain, uh, inaugurations.
1: It's true. Again, not to be political; these these are these are just facts. One, at the end of the day, one one party, to summarize it, tells you government is the answer. Uh, you know, continue to feed us, and we will protect you. And the other side says, government is not the answer. We can protect ourselves. Right. And yeah. You know, uh, yes. And and this country is divided. Generally, you know, fifty fifty on that. I mean, there's a lot more variables, but when you really you know, put it down to the, you know, to the brass tacks of, of what those two parties really are. That's, that's what it is. Right. I think, I think, you know, which, which side I fall on.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Um, I was talking to someone from uh, the state of Washington, obviously everyone knows Seattle, know the issues there. And what gets me with that, cause he's, he's more right leaning than anything, but still moderate, I would say, but what gets me is that I was thinking about looking at the re- election results, whether it be this most recent midterm or or the last presidential. And you look at the state uh, district maps, and they could be all red except for one city that's blue. And suddenly the state goes blue, and I'm like, "How is that fair to the American people? How is that a fair representation?" And it really it just gets your your head scratching. Like, how is any of this fair?
1: Uh, and and it's it's just again, it goes back to proving that uh, you know people just. The informed, the uninformed, just have a large voice in this country. And uh, when when people start talking about doing away with the electoral college, it's insanity to me. They've never seen the country as it votes uh, by county, because you can absolutely lose the general election and deserve to the popular vote and deserve to lose the election, because if five hundred counties vote one way but all the big cities vote another, that's, you know, that's, where's, you know, where's the representation there?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, yeah, you know, it's, it's a problem. So the electoral college is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would go as far to say, I don't think the electoral college has weighted heavily enough to give the, uh, the small towns a say. Right. And that, and that's where I'm
2: at, you know, growing up in a small town, living in small towns in the past, it's like, this is more of a representation of what I see on a daily basis than anything. And obviously the high con- concentration of people in the big cities seems to carry
1: more weight, which is just not fair. Yeah, it's it's a, I mean, here. Uh, take Florida, for example, you know, Orlando, Tampa, Miami and Tallahassee. There is there's about, you know, the, the cities and those are the, and I don't even know if all those will will, will go blue. And for a long time, you know, Bill DeSantis come around, uh, Florida was considered considered a purple state, mm-hmm. although the whole state was red, minus mm-hmm. a couple purple spots. But um, that's just, that's just a, uh, it's definitely an, an, an anomaly of our system. I don't think there was any any way to uh, the founding fathers. And, and as we, you know, weave this, uh, this political system that anyone really could have thought that yeah you know, this was uh the way it was it was going to end up because it's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy thinking where we came from and where we're at now right so, the I, fact again it's such a great job on uh, <laughs> is, is still amazing
2: yeah and i i keep thinking i go back to you know thinking about my father you know my parents and where they grew up and just thinking where we are now it's like oh my god they would if they were both alive they'd be they'd be so confused as to how uh-huh. we got to where we are right now
1: uh, but think about on both on the political spectrum and just in life in general. Mm-hmm. My grandfather uh, would have turned, I think, 90 uh, this year, really close to it, maybe 92. Um, he passed just a few years ago. Um, but in his lifetime, he went to not even having electricity in Littletown, Florida, barely having running water. So that by the end of his lifetime, there was a man on the moon. He, he held an iPhone, Bluetooth technology, electric cars, just go on, you know, down and you know, Wi-Fi, all things that you couldn't. He could have never even imagined, you know. He saw, and 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 that all happened in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, and
2: kind of, I I saw I saw one thing. It was kind of more conspiracy theorist, but it was like. Roswell happened in this year, and then in the next 50 years, more scientific uh, advancements happened in those 50 years than <laughs> entire human mind. I was like, okay, all right, we're we're kind of, <laughs> but that's more on the silly side of it. Um, and,
1: and if you want to find out how hard it is to you know to wrap your mind around you know where we're at, you know, my grandfather, you know, and and your parents had no idea where that was kids. Try to explain. You know, I have four kids. Trying to explain to a kid what Wi-Fi is is the hardest thing in the world makes you really realize it's, I don't even know if I know how Wi-Fi really works. I can't explain it to my five-year-old.
2: Right. I tried to explain how to use a floppy disk (laughs) to my girlfriend's daughter, and that was hard enough. (laughs) So, so so Brent, this was great. Um, This is kind of more of a uh, uh, meet the, meet the expert right here. Um, I guess we'll talk really briefly about the coffee company. Um, and then we'll kind of, we'll kind of jet from there. So first responder coffee company, I'm drinking in my new mug, by the way, I don't know if you saw it, drinking the coffee that came in no crack this time. Beautiful. So where did, uh, where does this all kind of start and come from and how is it, how is it your business? What, what goes on from there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, uh, as a business model and plan, there, there are two things I, I had to kind of, uh, decide on. One is, uh, if coffee was going to be, you know, what, what I was going to focus on, you know, and, and first responders specifically, is there, you know, a space available? You know, are, uh, is there, you know, can, how can I differentiate myself from everyone else? And so we talked about that, you know, I chose first responders. Um, that answer to me was already there. I just had to make sure that that was viable. When it came to the coffee aspect, that's actually a whole different, uh you know nut to crack because I wanted to be different and and in, in several ways um colombian coffee is, is your classic coffee uh everyone uses it it's cheap uh a lot of people are used to it, so it's also it's it's it can be a safe bet as well so it's not always even though it's cheap and it's not very good quality it's what people are used to um I ended up going with Brazilian uh sourced coffee which is uh, notorious for being low in acidity and a very smooth coffee. Um, I rarely drink coffee black. Um, as I was going through uh, the taste testing for the dozens and dozens of coffees that I, I could have chosen from, uh, really it was Brazilian coffee was the, the one that as soon as I tasted, I said, oh, that, that's different. I, I like that one. Uh, and, and not another one you know, did that to me. Uh, I can drink, you know, this this one black with 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 no problem, and it's because again, it's 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 Brazilian sourced, low in acidity, small batch roasted. It truly is gourmet level coffee um, that you get for really for, for thirteen ninety nine, which is the going price uh, of a coffee bag. So, not only uh, there's so many times I forget to talk about how great the coffee is because I'm talking about the cause and what I'm what I'm passionate about, and I forget to tell you. You don't have to sacrifice good coffee, you know, for for your cause. In mm-hmm. fact, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to get better coffee and support your cause. Uh, all 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 from the same company. So
2: yeah, um, so I've been drinking the uh, the the running coffee. Why why is that name? A um, oh, running for heroes. That's one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say running for responder. I didn't know that, but yeah. um, that's what I'm drinking right now. And the the low acidity is big for me. I had um, some store bought coffee, and I finally got like that nice, smooth, no bite, no bitterness. And I was like, "Oh, this is really good." This one takes that times ten. It's just so easy to drink. I am also not a big black coffee drinker. Um, I can drink this with minimal cream or whatever like that. So it's yep. it's great.
1: And and chances are from the time. Uh, I grind it really, but once you start grinding it, you're, you're kind of on the clock. Don't get me wrong. Really. That's almost, that's almost true. Once you start roasting it as well, you're really on the clock. Once you start, once you start grinding it as far as, you know, freshness, which is why, you know, there's that small percentage of people that demand to want to grind their coffee day of, and they buy whole beans. Um, if when you buy from us, uh, it's, it would be a rarity that you get a bean that's that's grounded uh, that's older than two weeks ground mm-hmm. from us, and that's almost that's unheard of. Uh, in, in the industry, uh, we we intentionally um, you know make it that way. And as of right now, with our volume, we're able to do that. So there's there's another variable in that equation of why our coffee tastes good because it's fresh, uh, and and hopefully as we continue to scale up every month, it, you know, it's a bigger and bigger month. But uh, I, I'm, we're going to desperately try to stick to that template because uh, it's working. And uh, I, I see no reason why we won't. So it's all—it's also ridiculously fresh coffee.
2: Yeah, very fresh. And, you know, I've bought from other companies and it's been good coffee, fun flavors, all the bells and whistles, whatever. They got cute names. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also costs you more. And I'm just like, you know what? This, You know, the one thing when I saw your site, I was like, wow. Like this is, I can, I can deal with this. I can buy, I can deal with paying for this price for this coffee because one, I know I'm going to drink it anyway, but also I know it's not, you know, here's like when you're buying a, a good, like, like coffee or, um, beer or whatever it might be like, to me it would be, why can't I just get this one at the store? Right? Like it's it's so much more convenient, blah, 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 blah so when I see that the price isn't bad and then obviously it's going to a good cause and then when I get it and it tastes good, it's like, well, I don't need to buy Folgers. I got this one right here. And I think that's what, when I've been drinking, this kind of moved the needle for me. You know what I mean? It's like it hit right. all those different spots to where it's like, I don't need to go and get Maxwell house. I got this and it's better. Right.
1: And uh, as, and you know, my take on it, and it was before I owned a coffee company, I, I always, you know, was a little bit, I don't even want to say coffee stuff particular particular about my coffee because it's something you're going to drink every day you're going to drink it every day so it's why people are very very uh adamant about why uh, whether they're a coke drinker, a uh, coke you know fan or a pepsi fan even though the subtlety is small and that's gonna that may be the, the most <laughs> efficient thing i've said on the podcast so far
0: right
1: <laughs> uh, but because they drink it every day it matters to them you know hamburger buns just aren't necessarily the of the same so, you know, coffee falls into that category. You're going to drink it every day. Uh, you know, find, find a good one cause you're going to, you're going to get a lot of it.
2: Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, not, not an ad whatsoever, but this is very good. Um, and every, every bag goes to a good cause. Um, why don't you go ahead and kind of, let you plug your product here, explain, you know, what you got, where it goes, all that stuff.
1: So the premise of the line of all, all of our bags, uh, our whole line is filled with Brazilian coffee beans. So that's, it's the same co- you know, base coffee bean that goes in all of our bags. Of course, every bag you can get in light, medium, or dark roast. Um, but the different bags is is, is, what, is how we divvy up our donations. So if you buy the firefighter bag, regardless of light, medium, or dark roast, it goes to firefighter causes. If you buy the police bag, it goes to police causes and the sheriff uh and and so on so the theme of the bag lets you control uh you know where who you want to support which is which is also another pretty unique idea Mm -hmm. that um if you're if you're a uh if you're a firefighter you don't obviously want to support anything police related (laughs) so so obviously so i'm so i'm not going to make you so i'm not going to make you and that's and that's that's how we do it there's a we even have a canine bag that goes to um, Canines United uh nonprofit. That money goes directly to them. We have a special bag, special run that we did for Running for Heroes. If anyone you don't know about Running for Heroes, go to runningforheroes.org and find out what a cool organization uh, that is. So we help uh, raise funds for them through our coffee. Um, so that's, that's our line. That's, that's, that's why it's the different line. And that's where the charities go uh, to the line, and it doesn't matter if it's a bag of coffee or a shirt or hat. Everything has a gets a donation tag to it, so the percentages of the bags ended up are what drive the different percentages of of the apparel. So they just they just fall in line uh, with with uh, with the bag numbers. So um, I, I always just want to stay above board. So. I'll never have anyone tell me, "Oh, you just want to sell coffee so you can make a lot of money on apparel." Nope, doesn't matter to me. If it's got a FRCC on it, it's going to a good cause.
2: Right, and like you said, you haven't even turned a profit yet, and you've already donated what was it, twenty six percent to different causes.
1: Yep, over eight thousand dollars. Yeah,
2: so that's I mean that's amazing. And there's so many, you know, uh, organizations that I've partnered with that I've talked with that they do similar things, and it's just amazing to hear people do that. And, uh, it wasn't, I think we talked about it when we talked on the phone or on zoom, whatever it was that, you know, um, sometimes it's just, it just makes sense. Like I ran, I ran two different stickers for buddies of mine that passed away. And I gave a hundred percent of the proceeds of that to donations to their, that whatever their family wanted me to, I would donate to that. And I did, or I'm going to, and, um, you know, at that point, it doesn't even matter uh, that you know you're missing sale money or anything like that. You're yeah. doing for a good cause, and that's that matters more than the profit. In, uh,
1: and and I will say this, and, and and it is true. You know, coming from the the veteran, you know, military community, here, here's a, it's just a, a stark difference. The veteran community, whether you're Army, Air Force, Marines, generally speaking, once you know uh, they they stand pretty pretty well together, and they support. You put veteran business on something. And, and that matters to a veteran, and and, th- and they'll pay for it. Um, I'm I'm not saying yeah, you know, that's not completely true in the first responder world. Um, I wish, but I will say this: I wish the first responders realize what a massive uh, following that they are, and the voice that they have, and if they chose to band together and get behind something good, uh, the the amount of good the first responder community could do um, I believe would surprise themselves. You know, when I did the business proposal and I went down the numbers and found out exactly how many active duty we call back, you know, uh, current firefighters there are. And then you put that number with how many retired firefighters there are. And then you pair that number with how many, uh, you know, their, their spouses, and, you know, that is your, that is your direct market. And that alone, between current, former, and family members, uh, tallies in the millions, and that's true with every single uh, you know community of first responders. They're a massive community, and I, and I wish they would you know do a better job of, of sticking together, banding together, and doing things that support each other.
2: Yeah, we talk so much about like the military band of brothers. And, you know, when you say you're in the military, it doesn't matter if you're Air Force, Marines, Army, whatever, whatever your branch is, there's that sense of unity, that sense of cohesion. When you say first responder, I only, I almost feel like first responder is not the common term even. It's always like, oh, you're a cop, you're a firefighter, you're a paramedic, whatever it might be, dispatcher. And it needs to change. And I really, even me, like I started my, my page and my podcast for police. But I'm now trying to morph it to be more first responder friendly. Even though I know nothing about firefighting, I know add water. That's all I know. But <laughs> I try With to the be, wet stuff on the red stuff. Yeah, that's it. I, and you know, I but I try to include more because should a firefighter find this podcast or my page or whatever, you know, we might raz each other about their recliners You're and Xboxes. But <laughs> at the end of the day, we are here to do the same thing.
1: Yeah, and serve the community.
2: Exactly, serve the community, public safety, and that's it. Whatever the realm may be. Because I got to, I got to tell you, like, put me in some bunker gear, I would suck in a fire. I just, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Like, we right. had a little grease fire here the other day, yeah. and I froze. But you put me down an alley with a guy with a gun, I can handle business. You know what I mean? So I, like, different strokes I, for different folks.
1: I watched one of the coolest interactions at at an, at an FRCC event, and it was a uh, a SWAT guy talking to a firefighter and the uh, SWAT guy goes, man, uh, you know, kind of hats off to you. Um, I don't, I don't understand fires and I don't trust fires and it's a you know, very, you know, very different world. You know, and I, I really respect you for it. He goes, man, he goes, fires are predictable. He goes, I know what a fire is going to do. He goes, I really, you know, tip of the hat to you because people, people are very unpredictable these two are almost getting into an argument saying who's, you know, <laughs> whose job was harder, but not saying that it was theirs, you know, mm-hmm. saying, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, what respect they have for the other person. Um, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, th- there's, there's more of that. You know, everyone's going to, you know, rouse each other as they should. That's, that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think there's a massive amount of respect when you strip all that away uh, between the two. And, uh, you know, and when you go when you go to our website, the very bottom, we'll always have a family that we're helping out. So we always have our our, our general funds that uh, uh, that the coffee bags raise, but there's always something in particular we're doing for for a family. Orange County uh, just lost one of their SWAT guys, uh, Mike Melmerstad, and right now his is the family that we're trying to raise money for. And I, I think of it like this: uh, you know, it's 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 not as cool as it once was i suppose but do, do you remember the chive mm-hmm. yeah yeah chive had this really cool thing called chive charities and i don't know if you remember it but they would just post hey this is a chive member in need and they would you know create a gofundme account and they would say you know this person needs thirty thousand dollars and the chive community would come together in one day and donate 50 grand mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. that's how powerful the first responder community is we just, you know, we just haven't found that that chive, you know, that 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 common base that everyone wants to go to see a need and eventually say, you know, what? we're going to take care of her. We're going to take care of her own. Um, and honestly, I, I know it sounds you know, slightly naive of me. That's that's what I want. First responders coffee company to be.
2: I I am all for it. And, you know, every time I get a GoFundMe across the instagram which happens quite a bit i've had mics on as well um i post it and i i used to track them i used to go back and see how many people have clicked it how many you know how the donations have changed and stuff and i I got so frustrated that i stopped but in my mind if every single person that clicks that link donates five dollars
1: exactly
2: that's that's all you know And and it do, it doesn't right. need to be massive and and I've seen even nope. on mics I've seen people donate $2500 and they're like great amazing but it could be 5 $10 it does not have to you know skip a cup of coffee donate that's all you have to do and wow. sa- right. <laughs> save save your save your money and buy buy in bulk and, and help first responder out but um <laughs> you know and that's all you need to do and it it would make such a big difference and I know You know, I think, I think we're getting there. I don't think we're there yet, but I think we're getting there. And I think conversations like this one to see the purpose of it, you know, kind of comes across and hopefully the more we build this community and kind of move the message along, more people will finally realize that, you know, it's going to a a better cause. It's going to obviously people's families in need for sure.
1: Yeah. No, I, Uh, I agree. And and it's funny. I I said the same thing. Yeah. You know, after talking about the numbers of the first responder community, it's, it's in the millions and millions and millions. And I said, all it takes is, is, is a $5 donation and man, they could raise a lot of money really quick. Um, we're just, we're just not there yet, but, uh, I am, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dreamer. Uh, I've, you know, I've I've had lofty goals before and met Mm -hmm. them. And, uh, I just, I just have another one that, uh, that 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 we're going for absolutely so Is that, it's
2: that hard work oh. mentality you talked about that grit everything and, and it kind of just got to keep trucking along
1: absolutely and uh I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid of it I'm no stranger to it it's just it's, at this point in my life it's just it's just uh, old hat so I have no problem with it
2: that's awesome that's a great mentality to have I need to adopt some of it myself uh Brent this has been great if people want to pick up a bag of uh, first responder coffee where do they go to pick it up
1: FRCCoffee.com. Um, please follow us on, on on Instagram as well. First Responders, uh, First Responders Coffee Co. Uh, we're on Facebook, FRCC Coffee. Um, uh, please, the, the biggest thing you could do. Um, of course, I want you to buy a bag of coffee. That that is great. The best marketing we get is people finding out who we are and what we do. And telling all their friends about it, that's marketing. That's hard to pay for. So uh, if you hear this, grab a bag of coffee, find out how great it is, and then tell your family and coworkers about it. That's that's what we need.
2: That's what you need. And just to clarify, because I had the same issue when I was sending you the invite to this conversation, it's F R two C's and then offy. That's that's the website, right?
1: Correct. So it's F R C C, and then the coffee word is you know is uh, with that second C. C. C yeah, yeah, it's double using that, that C. So uh, unfortunately, some very random company is using FRCC.com, and uh, it won't get off of it. But that's <laughs> that'll that'll be my next war.
2: Uh uh-huh, Yeah, yeah, tell me about it. 10.8 is being used by everybody, so I, I still haven't had my own website, so I get that. All right, Brent, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything. Thanks for the coffee. Um, we're going to talk to you really soon.
1: All right. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Absolutely. Everyone listen, stay tuned. We'll wrap it up in just a minute.
2: And that's the show for today folks special thanks to brent tucker for stopping in next week we have a retired police chief Kristen zeman on the show and we are going to talk about her career and more importantly the lessons she learned and is sharing them with you as we close i want to say check out the merch store 10-8-memes.ecwid.com use the code podcast at checkout for free shipping i have my newest piece of merch on there right now it's a wristband that says hurt people help people um it's an idea that I had based off a Tom Rizzo quote. He always says, hurt people, hurt people. And he's always talking about breaking the cycle. That's kind of exactly what the wristband means. It's hurt people, help people, break that cycle up. It's also going to be the name of a talk I'm giving to a first responder support group. Uh, I will be on the Reps for Responders responder talks coming up very soon. More on that in a little bit. But yes, uh, hurt people, help people. I'm actually going to start making that uh kind of the mantra around here and kind of building up. So if you want to get the wristband it's on sale on the website that I mentioned earlier, $5, you get it, get it. And, um, yeah. Um, I also will have more merch coming up in the very near future. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, Speaking of Reps for Responders, Frank, the founder of Reps for Responders, will be on the show in two weeks, followed by my favorite doctor of all time. No, not Dr. Dre. We're talking about Elizabeth Delery. She's been on the show many times, and honestly, if she can keep joining us, I was going to say if she can keep coming, but that was inappropriate, sir. Inappropriate. If she can keep joining us all the time, it'll be great. Uh, We are going to be talking about sleep and we're going to be talking about trauma response and it's going to be good. Next week with Kristen Zeman. It's going to be episode 30, which means we are 10 episodes away from the end of the season. I got to tell you, we're going to end it piping hot. We've got a lot of great stuff coming down the pipe. Uh, That's a lot of pipe talk. That's unacceptable as well. I can't wait to share it with you guys. So stay tuned and check it out. Until next time, friends, take care of each other. Stay safe out there. Our ending music today, as always, is Keep Flying. Check them out on any music streaming platform and on Instagram. They are on tour. Check them out. 10-8, out.
3: Could it be-